Thank you for your presence today. God cares for you. Be anxious for nothing. God shall supply all your need. Do not worry about what you will eat, drink, or put on. The promises in these words come from God. If we believe in Him, His word, and His promises, why do we worry? God has everything in control, just as He did yesterday, just as He will tomorrow, and just as He has right now. Listen closely as Pastor Rander encourages us to replace worry with trust. Have your Bible pen and paper handy. Turn with us once again. We are going to do part two of the message that we began this morning as I Matthew 6, 25, Matthew chapter 6, verses 25 through 34 is the text. Therefore, I say to you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body. What you will put on is not life more than food and the body more than clothing. Look at the birds of the air, for they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns. Yet your heavenly father feeds them. Are you not more value than they? Which of you by worrying can add one cubit to his stature? So why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. And yet I say to you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Now if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore, do not worry, saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For after all these things, the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly father knows that you need all these things. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added to you. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow for tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Once again, part two, what are you worried about? What are you worried about? And we left off this morning dealing with a transitional topic saying, what happens when we worry? We shared this morning about all the things that we could be worried about. Our society is filled with worried. Parents are worried. Fathers are worried. Mothers are worried. Children are worried. Teachers are worried. People don't feel safe anymore. Uh, this is a very volatile society. It is a very dangerous world. And uh, many of us, truth be told, we worry about whether we're going to get home safely. Because it is a blessing when you can leave the house and come back and see everybody intact. Amen? So what happens when we worry? Uh, God's word in this text says, don't worry, don't worry, don't worry, don't worry. And yet we turn around and we what? Worry. So what happens when we worry? I give four points of review and move forward. Number one, we become angry at God, ourselves, and others when we worry. Worry will get you all bent out of shape. Job chapter 2, verses 9 and 10, then his wife said to him, do you still hold fast to your integrity? Curse God and die. But he said to her, you speak as one of the foolish women speaks. Shall we indeed step good from God? And shall we not accept adversity? And all this, Job did not sin with his lips. Now you got to understand, uh, Mrs. Job did not have a house to clean anymore. You know, uh, she did not have a home. Uh, the livestock was gone. 
the children were gone. Everything was gone. And she, she spoke out of anger and frustration. She got worried about now, how are we going to make it? Where do we go from here? She just gave up. She lost hope. And she told Job, her husband, why don't you just curse God and die? And Job profoundly responds by saying, shall we indeed accept good from God? And shall we not accept adversity? We love the good. We love the raises from the job. We love to see our children make all A's and all B's, uh, preferably all A's. We love promotion and the accolades of people. But what happens when our world caves in? What happens when the children go awry or things happen as such as things happen? And we got to know that you can do all the right things and your children can go astray. What happens when your children rebels and leave home and do contrary to what you have taught them? And we can accept the good, but can we accept the challenges, the trials, the adversities? Being a Christian does not exempt us from the calamities of life. So we have to ask God to remove our worries as we look to him so that we won't find ourselves angry at ourselves, God, and others. Number two, one becomes more vulnerable to receive and accept bad counsel. In other words, you're more, you're more prone to listen to people you should not be listening to when you get worried. Psalms 1, 1, 8 says, blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly. And listen, if you're walking with bad company, you have a real problem on your hand because bad company will send you right down the drain. You want to walk with those who are wise. You want to walk with those who know the Lord. You want to walk with those who can be a blessing and not a curse to you. Wise indeed are you when you can screen those you allow into your life. But when you get worried, you get frantic and you find yourself reaching for people Tying into people that you have no business tying into. Thirdly, bad decisions are made because of worry. Bad decisions are made because of worry. We must place our trust in God and not man. In whom? God and not man. Jeremiah 17, 7 and 8 says, Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord, for he shall be like a tree planted by the waters, which spreads out its roots by the river, and will not fear when the heat comes. When the heat comes, when, when things fall to pieces and when your world just seems to be falling apart around you, the heat comes. And sooner or later in our lives, there are seasons of trials, seasons of heat, but its leaf will be green and will not be anxious in the year of drought, drought, nor will cease from yielding fruit, even in Drought and famished conditions. And America is in a drought. There's a spiritual famine, not only in America, but there's a spiritual famine in the church. But right in America, in the midst of chaos, in the midst of political correctness, in the midst of all of this adultery and sin and corruption and murder and all of these things, God will prosper you and God will flourish you to your God-given potential as you yield your life to him, walk in obedience to him, 
and seek to know and do the will of God. God will flourish you even in the state of America. And when you live right before God, let me tell you something. God will prosper you even in a bad economy. That's right. God will make sure you lack no good thing. God will supply all of your need. Don't get your cue from the news. Get your cue from Jesus. Realize that he's still in the blessing business and it is not conditional on the stock market. You know, it's, it's not conditioned on these. It is based on God and God alone. Uh, what happens when we worry? I said, uh, last point of review is this. It results in loss of joy. Psalms 51, 12, a says, restore to me the joy of your salvation. And some of you have lost your salvation because you're focusing on all the stuff that's happening that may happen. You're focusing on the future, the things that you have not accomplished, uh, your age, you're at a certain age in life and you still see yourself not where you ought to be and you lose your joy. Psalm 1611 says, you will show me the path of life in your presence is fullness of joy at your right hand are pleasures forevermore. As you be still, shut out the world, shut down the noise, turn off the technologies, get along with God, sit in his presence on a daily basis, God will restore your joy. And the reason people are joyless is simply because they spend too little time in the presence of God. You get up, you're in a go mode, you busy yourself into weariness, and when you come home, you have nothing to offer your husband, you have nothing to offer your, your children, you have nothing to offer your family, and husband have nothing to offer their wives, and vice versa, simply because you are too busy. You can be busy doing a lot of good things, but you're not busy doing the better thing. In your presence is fullness of joy. I said the definition of joy this morning. I just love this definition. It says joy is an inner divine gladness and deep-seated pleasure only given by God and is not dependent upon things or circumstances. That's my definition. I love that definition and I want you to embrace it. Joy is an inner divine what? Gladness. It is joy is not based on your circumstances, how much money you have, how many friends you have, how many degrees you have, how many who's who you know in society. Listen, those people come and go, money come and go, furloughs come, people get laid off. All of those things are going to happen. But even should they happen, I don't lose my joy because my joy is not based on the external, but the internal. Amen. Joy is an inner divine gladness that's given by God and deep-seated pleasure only given by God and is not dependent upon things or circumstances. And when you live with the spirit of joy, you attract more people for the cause of Christ. When you live with the spirit of joy, you become more attractive in the kingdom of God. Have you ever seen some people when they come around, everybody just scatter? They don't want to be around. I mean, they just scatter. They find reasons to not be around them. And if they're in their presence, they count down from two minutes down to hurry up and get out of their presence. But when you're full of joy and you got that smile on your face and your face radiate the presence of God and you speak in the affirmative and you talk in faith 
And you're, you're a lovely man or woman of God. You're a lovely child of Christ. It, it's something attractive about that. If you're not continually throwing yourself on a habitual pity party. I was heading to Georgia, my wife and I. And so I stopped by the men's room in the airport, that huge airport in Atlanta. So I went in the restroom. So I was washing my hands. And you know how, you know, to get the soap, you have to sometimes, you have to put your hand to wave your hand and the soap will squirt out. And so I got mine and it just squirted right out. And so this gentleman about two bowls over, he went to one and he didn't get it to work. And then another one, he didn't get it to work and went to another one. And then he said, this, this, and he, he started calling every four letter word. He said, I, I'm sick of this stuff not working. And he, oh, he just cussed the faucets out. He cussed the soap dispensers out. He cussed everything out. And I'm just looking at him, you know, as I was washing my head. I, I, I said, sir, sir, sir. I did. Settle down. It's going to be all right. Let me show you what your hands are down too far. Bring your hand up a little bit and just wave it. He did like that. He said, oh. Oh. I'm all right now. I'm all right. I said, yeah, it's going to be all right. Man, it, it doesn't take all that. Calm. God had me there to just, I didn't tell him I was a preacher and I didn't tell him I was a, a, a Christian. I didn't tell him all that stuff. I was on my way. But I just wanted to calm that man down who was cussing out the soap dispenser because it wasn't shooting out the soap because his hand was so far down and he thought the dispenser was the problem and he was the problem. And, you know, and that's just like y'all. Y'all think everybody else is the problem. And you point like this and you got all them fingers coming right back at you. No, it is, it's not. And even when you hear the message, oh, you should have been here. She needed that message. No, you here. You need this message. You're the problem and don't know it. Listen, people need to see some joyful faces. And if you got to wait till Christmas to smile, something is wrong with your joy. The, the joy that permeates, it bubbles over. It makes you shout. It makes you laugh. It, 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 it you, you, you burst with a sense of enthusiasm because of your faith in God. Even in calamitous time, you are still filled with joy because you're saying what come, what may, I know that my God will take care of me. Now, I don't understand what's going on. I don't know where this is headed. I don't know why I'm furloughed. I don't know why I'm laid off. When the year started, I didn't know I would find myself in this position. But Lord, you know, I'm your child. And I've been walking with you a long time. And I've seen you work in my past history. And the same God that delivered me in the past is God enough. Is God enough. Is God enough. To keep me right now, he is able to keep us from falling. Do I have a witness here? How many of you know God is able? How many of you know God is sufficient? And how many of you know that you know that you know you know that your God will take care of you in spite of your circumstances? Oh, 
What happens? Listen, what happens when we worry? What happens? Number five, worry will usher in a spirit of fear. It will usher in a spirit of fear. Isaiah 41.10 says, fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Yes, I will help you. I will uphold you with the right hand of my righteousness. I love that verse. Fear not, for I am with you. You, you, you know why we, you know why we fear? We forget that God is with us. If we keep ourselves mindful of the fact that the Lord is with us, then we won't be so inclined to fear. Second Timothy 1 7 says, for God has not given us a spirit of fear. Some of you, you're scared to go out at night. You're scared to do this. You're scared to do that. You're scared to fly. You're scared to travel. And you allow Satan to use fear to put you in a self-made prison. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. A sound mind. You know what a sound mind is? A stable mind. A stable mind. A healthy mind. A well-balanced mind. A mind that is spiritually functional to the glory of God. I want to tell you something, my friends. Listen closely. There is absolutely no one under my voice who can say in this life, you have never experienced fear. All of us have experienced fear to one degree or another at some point of our lives and even now. Our response to it is what really matters. Sometimes we are, we ought to have a healthy fear. <laughs> that, that can be a good thing. Our response to it is what really matters before the Lord. Will we allow the fear that comes to us to paralyze us or to drive us to Jesus? And sometimes you get afraid and uh, you don't know what to do and you get apprehensive, indecisive. At those moments when you sense an uneasiness and you sense that fear is coming upon you, because something has gone wrong. Maybe the finances are falling. Maybe the marriage is filled with tension. Or maybe something is drastically going on with your health. And you know something is going on in your body right this very moment. Your husband and wife don't even know. And you don't want to address the issue because you don't know where it's going. And you won't tell anybody because you are afraid. Let me tell you something. Allow that fear to drive you to Jesus. If that fear can just get you to Jesus, if you go to Jesus, he will help your fear. As a matter of fact, he will remove the fear. Number six, what happens when we worry? Satan will exploit a heart that is filled with worry. He will exploit a heart that is filled with worry. First Peter 5 eight says, be sober, be vigilant because your adversary, you know, Satan is your adversary. The devil, the devil is not your friend. He's your enemy. You're not to love the devil. You're not to play in his camp. You're not to have one foot in his camp and another foot in, in the Lord's camp. Choose ye this day whom ye shall, shall serve. You must make up your mind. You see, be sober. That means you got to be alert. You, 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 you can't be crazy in your mind. You can't be confused in your mind. You got to have a right mind, a, a healthy, well, you have healthy thinking, a righteous mind. Because your adversary, say, say my adversary, you have an enemy and his, he is Satan 
and he's out to destroy you, your parents, your children, and everybody associated with you. He want to wipe out your reputation, wipe out your character, wipe. Matter of fact, he comes to kill, to steal, and to destroy, to destroy. The scripture says he walks about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Satan wants you worried because when you stay in a state of a worry, you are more ripe to be used by the enemy, the devil, and he will use that worry to your detriment. Number seven, worry affects how we treat others. It affects when you worry too long, all of a sudden it affects how you treat others. Luke 631 says, and just as you want men to do to you, you also do to them likewise. First Corinthians 1024 says, let no one seek his own, but each one the other's well-being. Uh, first Corinthians 13 5 says, love does not behave rudely, does not seek its own, is not provoked, thinks no evil. Love thinks no evil. You know, and, and most of the time, we think the worst of people before we think the best of people. That's right. That's right. We think the worst of them, and we don't ask the Lord to give us how to minister to them, how to handle them with care, how to handle them with the spirit of Christ, and how to handle them where they can see the love of Christ as we touch their lives compassionately for his glory. Uh, Hebrews 12, 15 says, looking carefully, lest anyone fall short of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up cause trouble, and by this many become defiled. When you stay worried too long and answers don't come the way you think they should, there are times when even a root of bitterness can surface uh, to your detriment. Let me tell you this. When we worry, we become bitter. When we stay in a continuous state of worry, we become rude, abrasive. We become edgy. We become snappy, fussy, hard to deal with, which diminishes others' ability to see Christ in us. If you walk around looking like you've been baptized in lemon juice, if you walk around edgy, mad, snap, you snap your husband up, snap your children up, jacking them around, slamming the door, because you just having a bad day. And God is saying, you grieve me because you are looking nothing like your heavenly father. You are marring my image. And God wants you to look like him before your husband, before your wife, before your children, before your neighbors, in your job, as a boss. God wants people to see Christ in you, even in the midst of tension. And, and in situations that are beyond your control because you block their view of Christ when you stay in a state of worry too long. A few more and I'll be done. Uh, number eight, you are worried will do. It will result in headaches, discouragement, extended worry, bring on depression, stomach problems, ulcers. Worry will bring on stress, loss of sleep, anger, problems with circulation, it deals with the heart. It puts a strain on your heart. It affects your glands, the whole nervous system, emotional issues. It'll bring on physical sickness, 
And worry will even put you to death. Now, if worry will do all of that, why are you worried? And what are you so worried about to the point that you are killing yourself? Job 4, 5 says, but now it comes upon you and you are weary. It touches you and you are troubled. Psalms 42, 11 says, why am I discouraged? Why is my heart so sad? I will put my hope in God. In other words, when you put your hope in God, he lifts the discouragement. I will praise him again, my savior and my God. Let me tell you something. The sooner you stop worrying, the better off your life going to be physically and spiritually. Because of the impact worry has on the body, it will decrease one's quality of life as well as your lifespan, and it will not add one single hour to your life. In other words, Matthew 6.27 says, can all your worries add a single moment to your life? Give me one good thing worry can do for you. We see all the negatives, but we see no positives. And that's why God is saying all through this passage in chapter six, do not worry, do not worry, do not worry, do not worry. Number nine, you know what worry does? It disrupts our productivity for God. It disrupts our productivity for God. John chapter 15, verse 16a says, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit. Everybody in here, you are either good fruit or you're bad fruit. That's right. That's right. You're either good fruit or you're bad fruit. And uh, I sure hope we have some good fruit in here. If you enjoy this kind of biblical teaching or would like to hear this message in its entirety, please visit www.maranathasa.org where you will find an archive of audio messages, service times, directions to the church, upcoming events, and much more. You can also reach us at 210-821-5683.